0: It's been known for a long time now that Chiquita Brands International made controversial payments to violent guerrilla and paramilitary groups in Colombia during the 1990s and 2000s. The banana giant was even fined $25 million in a 2007 plea agreement for making payments to a group that the U.S. State Department had designated as a terrorist organization. Chiquita has long maintained that the payments were extorted, but a new trove of internal memos, dubbed the Chiquita Papers, suggests otherwise. We're joined now by Michael Evans, Senior Analyst at the National Security Archive and Director of the Columbia Documentation Project. Welcome to our show for today's first underreported segment.
1: Thanks very much. Uh, glad to be with you.
0: How long has Chiquita had a presence in Colombia?
1: uh well in in sort of the modern history they returned to Colombia in the late 1980s uh after being away for for a number of years due to the the conflict there um you know the the conflict affected mostly uh the kind of areas away from the cities um of course at that time it took a lot of different forms there were uh kind of narcotics related violence uh associated mainly with the Medellin cartel you had the guerrillas a number of different facets. And, and things got really bad in the 80s. But by the, the late 1980s, Chiquita returned to Colombia uh, kind of in full force because markets were uh, developing in certain parts of the world and they needed to sort of uh, up their production and their export uh, operations. So they, they, they determined, uh, according to uh, most of the secondary source uh, stuff that I've seen, that at the time was ripe to come back to Colombia
0: but well, most of course, the, they
1: still face certain dangers
0: most of the drug lords had been arrested but the political war still went on Do the groups that received money from chiquita have a particular particular ideological bent
1: uh yeah I, you know that's a complicated question and it depends on what period you're talking about at the beginning um you know chiquita like i said was operating in fairly lawless territory uh you know during most of that time uh and they were making payments to a variety of people uh including members of the security forces uh to prominent politicians uh trade associations and uh until 1997 they were making substantial payments to the left wing guerrilla forces that's the of the revolutionary armed forces of Colombia and also the uh National Liberation Army of Colombia the FARC and the ELN and, you know, their ideology is something that uh, is a matter of considerable debate. Um, you know, they're sort of have, have gone from classic kind of leftist-style socialist-type uh, groups. Uh, more and more people sort of characterize them uh, mainly as drug trafficking organizations. It's The reality is some mix of those two things. Um, then from 1997 on, uh, what you had was right-wing what they call paramilitary groups, uh, illegal militias uh, that were uh, in large part sponsored uh, by the the military and by security forces uh, that acted mainly really as death squads, sort of anti-guerrilla death squads. Um, Their ideology, again, is somewhat hard to pin down. Um, Generally speaking, anti-guerrilla and, uh, and and acting on behalf of sort of the powers that be in, the, in those uh, various zones.
0: Well, it, it sounds like uh, we could call these things either bribes or extortion. They say that it was extorted. Bribes would suggest that they did it willingly. Uh, uh, extortion suggests unwillingly.
1: Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's some combination of those things. Um, the key question, as I see it, is that, you know, in 2007 – the Department of Justice, uh, in a press release, um, announced that they had reached a sentencing deal with Jaquita over its illegal payments to these paramilitary groups, specifically the United Self-Defense Forces of Colombia, which was the, the primary paramilitary kind of umbrella organization. Um, so from 1997 to 2004, they were paying uh, substantial amounts of money to this group.
0: Uh, and for, excuse me for what? Uh, to because we were talking about violent groups. Were they protecting the bananas or just simply uh, not destroying the bananas? Uh,
1: again, it's that it's. It, I believe it's some combination. Um, what happened in that sentencing agreement? Uh, what they said in the sentencing agreement in two thousand seven, and this is you know essentially agreed to by both parties, the Department of Justice and Chiquita was that they had never received, quote, any actual security services or actual security equipment in exchange for the payments. And this seems to be something that factored into the relative leniency of the penalty imposed $25 million fine for a a company the size of Chiquita really isn't too terribly much to pay, uh, especially for repeated, uh, over years, payments to a terrorist organization. Now, what we've found uh, in this giant trove of uh, Chiquita company memos, financial documents, legal documents is evidence that in some cases yes they did get security services uh from the paramilitaries that they were paying and also from uh the guerrillas before that. Um I don't know that every payment uh was there I don't know that for every payment there was some sort of in-kind uh um or, or, or some sort of quid pro quo for every single payment. But it's very clear that, in some cases, the company was benefiting.
0: My guest is Michael Evans, Senior Analyst at the National Security Archive, Director of the Columbia Documentation Project. This is WNYC, WNYC.org. I'm Leonard Lopate. So what is the, the sense that you get out of the documents? Did uh, Chiquita Brands see the payments as just the cost of doing business in Colombia?
1: Yeah, well, you know, there's there is a document where they use where one of the lawyers uses that expression, Um, and you know what you had was over a period of years this developed. So it goes from paying payments to um, the military for things like gasoline and kind of basic security stuff to paying off the guerrillas. What was surely to some extent a a kind of extortion, uh, except that there is one memo that's very clear in 1994 where. Uh, A lawyer, one of Chiquita's lawyers, have been talking to General, the managers of their subsidiaries in Colombia, and one of them says that, uh, uh, the quote is, um, the general manager in Turbo said that guerrilla groups are used to supply security personnel at the various farms. And um, you have, there's a pair of these memos, they're both uh, draft memos uh, being, you know, drawn up by lawyers, and on some of them, there are even these handwritten annotations, and you know, bracketed around that sentence that said the guerrilla groups are providing security. It says, why is this relevant, and you know, who needs to know this, and why is this being written? there was obviously a lot of sensitivity about what was going on, not just the guerrilla payments but also payments to security forces or later payments to these paramilitary forces and some soul searching, um, You know, some questions about whether or not they should even be doing it. There's a very telling memo um, from, from later on. Uh, I, I can't give you the exact date right now, but the, the, uh, the, the lawyer, in the, in the midst of a discussion about a variety of different illegal payments, and particularly to the paramilitary forces, you know, these death squads you know, responsible for thousands of, of civilian killings, uh, says, you know, cost of doing business in Colombia. Maybe the question is not why we are doing this, but you know, we're in Colombia, and do we want to be shipping bananas from Colombia? So on the one hand, I think an understanding that, you know, to do business in these parts of Colombia uh, where there's very little state presence or where the state has decided, you know, de facto or for other reasons that they're going to rely on death squads uh, to, to handle security, uh, you know, should we even be here in the first place? Um, we understand what this entails. We understand what's, what we need to do to do business here, and is this a wise uh, business decision. So,
0: didn't the company eventually sell its subsidiary, Benedict's? That's uh,
1: correct. But I mean, only after this—you know—it it was only after this became a, a, a huge scandal. So, do only they still they do business there? Under investigation. Yeah.
0: Do they still do business there? Uh,
1: for, I don't know the exact. Uh, I don't know exactly how their business uh, operates in Colombia. I I believe what I understand is that they they do still buy bananas from Colombia, but that they're not uh, involved in the production the way that they, they were in the past.
0: Now, if the memos you've obtained from the Justice Department seem to indicate that the company got more out of its financial relationship with militants than was previously made public, do you think the government should have pursued its case more aggressively? Uh, I mean, I, as I understand it, the, ca- the investigation was headed by Eric Holder before he became our attorney general.
1: Uh, actually, uh, you're on to the right track. Holder was actually uh, one of Chiquita's uh, attorneys. Uh, so he wasn't leading the investigation. He ah. was actually leading the defense. Um, but in any case, uh, I think that is, you've hit on a key uh, question here uh, and one that I would hope that Department of Justice officials might be prepared to answer. I uh, mean a conflict of not, interest. Yeah. Why did they not uh, pull on some of these leads? Um, I mean, I'm one person. I've, I've looked at maybe a fraction of the information they've seen. Maybe this is everything that they saw. Uh, And there are very clear indications, I think, where the company, uh, where the managers in Columbia indicated that they were getting uh, support, uh, support that they considered to be vital. There is a a handwritten memo from uh, the year 2000, March 2000, uh, where, uh, again, this is one of Chiquita's lawyers on, you know, Chiquita Brands International kind of memo letterhead uh, writing down what information he's getting about how the paramilitaries and um, this another group, a kind of pseudo-legal paramilitary group called the Convivir, how the paramilitaries had set up this new organization uh, a, that was a, a front organization that they called Inversiones Manglar, Manglar Investments, uh, to basically serve as an intermediary between the illegal paramilitaries and the corporation and that the payments were supposed to be directed to this company. And at the end of the memo, you have a very telling comment where uh the general manager apparently told the uh the Chiquita lawyer in Cincinnati, uh you know, we have to keep making these payments. We can't get the same level of support from the military. Um and they talk about how the this this group provides information on guerrilla movements and, and that sort of thing. There are other documents where they talk about how they'd gotten information that had helped prevent kidnappings et cetera. I mean in this this you know for a company this may be uh as you said the cost of doing business I mean this is they needed that information the question is you know who are you forced to work with in order to get that information and to order pro- to provide the kind of security that you need um I think the idea that there was no benefit uh in exchange for the payments uh if if indeed that was uh, the reason that they were able to come to such a sort of lenient settlement with the company. If that was part of it, I think that kind of calls the whole thing into question.
0: Were they also making payments to people in the Colombian government?
1: Absolutely. Um, In fact, I think if you added up all the numbers, you would probably find that they paid a lot more money to the army uh, and to government officials uh, generally than probably to either paramilitaries or guerrilla groups, although they paid a considerable amount of money to all of those groups.
0: What about Alvaro Uribe, who's uh, now president?
1: Correct. Uh, in, in There's a 1995 memo that describes payments made both to Uribe, the former president, from 2002 until 2010, uh, in, uh, they made a donation to him and his opponent in a 1994 election for the governor of uh, the Department of Antioquia. Antioquia uh, is um, one of the areas in this region of this kind of banana-growing area and was uh, at that point really a hotbed of paramilitary activity, uh, previously, of course, a hotbed of guerrilla activity, and uh, around that time, 1996. 1997, while he was governor, is when the paramilitaries really took control of that region. He, uh, Uribe, was a key sponsor, probably the most vocal proponent of these groups that were called convivir, uh, which means live together. Uh, And and, and what it is, what they were, were kind of, um, they were sort of legalized paramilitary groups, kind of citizen security type neighborhood watch, uh, if you want to use kind of the, the blandest possible term. These groups uh, that really, in, in, in the, and we learned in the 2007 sentencing agreement specifically, it was spelled out very clearly there. Chiquita's payments to the illegal paramilitary forces went via these, at first, went via these convivir groups that were supposedly legal. Uh, the paramilitaries told Chiquita, in fact, to pay them through these convivir groups, essentially said, You have to support these groups. Uh, these groups are moving in here. Uh, you're going to need to support them. Um, I agree that there was certainly appears to have been pressure from the paramilitaries uh, that that the company pay the convivir, pay the paramilitaries. Uh, where I disagree is that the company didn't get anything for it. I, I believe uh, pretty strongly that they did. I think the evidence bears that out.
0: There's also a new round of lawsuits being filed against Chiquita by the families of victims who were killed by right-wing paramilitaries and leftist guerrillas. And Paul Wolfe, the human rights lawyer representing many of the families, told the Irish Times that Chiquita's involvement with the AUC went beyond paying them to protect its plantations and included granting the group access to Chiquita facilities for the illegal shipment of thousands of weapons into the country. Do any of the documents you've seen support that?
1: Uh, That was a a really big issue in the end of the 1990s. In fact, the first big scandal, really, that tied the corporation to, uh, or potentially tied, allegedly tied, the corporation to paramilitary forces. It's a complicated case. It was investigated by the Securities and Exchange Commission. It was investigated in Colombia. Uh, there, there, there was, there was never uh, an actual conviction uh, of of anybody in the company, as far as I know. Perhaps some port officials. Uh, it's a complicated case. Um, Paul probably knows a bit more about it than I do. Um, I can say that uh, there is some information in here that pertains to that case. I wouldn't say there's any any
0: kind of a smoking gun. Now, your group released documents just as Washington and Bogota trying to finalize a free trade agreement. What's been holding up the agreement?
1: Uh, Lots of things. Uh, Primarily in the U.S., what's been holding up the agreement, uh, the the way I understand it, uh, has been concern about uh, working, you know, labor rights issues in Colombia. Colombia is a very, very dangerous place to be a labor leader. Um, You know, hundreds have been assassinated. It's a... It's a – it's a, in, in terms of uh, sort of providing the basic kinds of labor protections uh, inter- up, to, up to international standards, uh, that's been a problem in Colombia, and that's been a problem for, for Congress. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of different reasons why people are opposed to it. That has been one of the biggest ones.
0: I want to thank you so much for talking with us for today's first underreported segment to look at Chiquita International – Brands International and Colombian Militants – Michael Evans is a senior analyst at the National Security Archive and director of the Columbia Documentation Project. Thank you so much. Thanks
1: very much, Leonard.